David Goldfarb, what is your favourite game? My favourite game is Diablo 2. So I guess uh, man, it's a long time ago. I started playing games. Um, I mean, computer games when I was a kid, they they barely existed because I'm old and stuff. So actually, before um, when I was growing up, I, I think the first thing I ever saw my dad brought home. Uh, I was actually the first thing I ever saw. First game I ever saw was like in his office it was like a printed out game i think it was on one of those like mainframes and it was a uh, star trek and that you would like you basically use ascii characters and it would like run a printout on a dot matrix printer and it would uh like you would plot basically where the um the shot like the photon torpedo or whatever would go um that's how old i am that should tell you something and uh <clears throat> and and i remember like being super into it and and you know he he was explaining it to me um and um i think i, I was probably like seven, maybe six or seven and then my friend started to get computers i think like my friend got a trs 80 and it's in my in my school i like we had pet computers which are these old fucking horrible um weird retro looking like green just monochrome screen things and i played like adventure which was like you know just a text adventure uh back then and um and i remember playing zork and i remember like all that stuff and then atari kind of came along and so this all kind of evolved alongside um uh i remember going to like game stores when i was probably eight or nine because my friends were were like somebody showed up with like a D&D manual and I was super like fascinated by the idea that you know you could make up a world and um and and like, play in it and that there were rules and and things um and so like that was like one another parallel track and then the last track I think the first greatest love of my life as far as games go was baseball and uh, that's something I, I also shared with my dad so I think there's there's definitely like a theme of like this was something that my uh, my father loved and and uh, I wound up loving too. And um, even though the game stuff he didn't like as much, like computer games and things, I think there was an appreciation for um, for th- for for like things that were that were um, different and um, and uh, the idea that there was like this new frontier, I think, was interesting to me and and to him. So that was something that just started very early for me. 
you mentioned you were playing quite a bit of text adventure games at that time. Like, what, what specifically? Like, can you remember? Oh, Jesus. Um, I think, I mean, I remember, like, going over to my friend's house. Because back then, like, I, we were, you know, we weren't, like, rich or anything. We, we, um, we, I would always, my friends, though, I had friends that, like, they always seemed to have computers. So I was always like, oh, let me go over to my friend's house. So he, they had, like, I played Zork. I definitely remember that. Um, I played Planet Fall. I played Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And there was all the stuff that once the Apple II came out, um, there were a lot of other games that sort of started to, to turn up um, also that were that were super cool. Um, and those were like, I mean, these are all really old, but, you know, like the Castle Wolfensteins and the there's like all these gems that people have probably forgotten about, like Rescue Raiders and stuff and Choplifter and, um, you know, just 2D, uh, really simple stuff but was kind of like cool cool gameplay and so like that's yeah anyway i kind of got off the subject but i still at that point there was nothing up until wizardry came along and that was like a big thing because that was the first rpg i really ever had a chance to play um and i was super super into wizardry mm-hmm. like that was that was a huge deal for me um so yeah just talk on how you first got into the industry side of things though oh uh, man uh, well, are, are you, this is also like a uh, kind of a weird, uh, the weird security story. But um, I, I guess I started um, the first thing that I did in the industry. I answered it. My, my mother told me like, "Hey, you should." Uh, there's this ad in the newspaper. I just gotten back from from college. I graduated, and it was like, I don't know what I want to do. And, um, but I knew, knew that like, I, I like games and, and, um, it would be great if I could find a way to work, work in them. Uh, so at one point, but I was still like, I have no idea how that's going to play out. So, uh, I think my mother handed me a newspaper and there was an ad in the paper back then. And she was like, they're looking for quality assurance people at a claim, which is this, um, you know, they made Mortal Kombat and stuff in, in Glen Cove, Long Island, which was, I don't know, like an hour drive. <clears throat> so, um. I was like, uh, oh, okay, that's cool. So, um, so then I called them up and I was, you know, and I was like, hey, are you guys hiring? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, you know, come, come by. We'll set up a, an interview. Uh, and, um, stop me if I'm getting into too much detail. No, go for it. Go for it. So, so then like, I care. I, at the time, I think I was like, I was about to go on like vacation with my girlfriend, and I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm just going to go on vacation. I'll come back. The job will probably be there." And um, by some miracle, it still was. Like, I went to Mexico. I came back three weeks later, and they were like, "Yeah, it's cool. Whatever, just come on in." Um, so I really wanted the job, so I dressed that, uh, suit. Which, if you know anything, I, this is like the most preposterous. I, I never wore a suit in my life. I never wore to, to to like a marriage, you know, to like a wedding that I'd been to before. Uh, that was the only time I'd ever worn one. <clears throat> yeah, so I was like, I'll just help. You know, I'll, I'll put this in on. So I go in there, and, and I remember Dale, who was the guy who interviewed me, to claim. He's like, man, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I thought that would be a good idea. He's like, yeah, you're fine. Uh, and and so after talking to him, uh, they hired me um, as QA. Uh, and I, then I worked there on, um, I like a QA Turok Dinosaur Hunter, 
and bust a move too, and uh, on the, I think it was the N64, and Turok on the PC, um, and uh, a couple other games I can't remember. There's like a magic game that Acclaim did um, called Battle something. It's really buggy. Uh, but yeah, that was like, that was the kind of beginning for me, was working at QA um, at Acclaim for, for like a year or so. Then I, I left there at some point. I went on to <coughs> um, do. I basically moved to New York, and then I did interaction design and and um, like web game and kiosk design for for a number of years. Uh, and then I got tired of that, and I was like, I just want to work in, in uh, bigger games. And uh, we decided to move um, to we, after like we were living in New York at the time, and then the nine eleven. We were like right there when all that happened. And it was like, no, now be a good time to go. So uh, we went to Italy, where my um, ex-wife's family was, and I was there for a while. Um, and I started to work on this mod for Dungeon Siege called Elemental, and um, and then that kind of eventually turned into this thing where I was working. Um, I I got this job as a designer for uh, Milestone, who's this Italian game company, and I worked on these two racing games, um, neither of which was very good, but I'm still kind of proud of them because they they did a bunch of stuff before anybody else. Like there was an RPG element in the car game and in, in the car game and other crap. So whatever, they were not very good games. But um, I worked there for a while. Then I I, uh, I left. We left Italy and then moved to uh, moved over to Gorilla, where I worked on Killzone Two, and that was pretty cool. Those are good guys. Um, I did that for a few years and then uh, moved on to Dice. Uh, after that to work ostensibly on Bad Company 2, but which hadn't started actually when I got there, uh, I discovered. So I had to help them close out BC1. And then I worked on uh, Mirror and, and then I was lead on BC2 and then on BF3 and then um, left during BF4 after like six years and then uh, went over to work at um, at Overkill and was director on, um, on Payday 2 and that worked out pretty well um and now i am doing uh now i have my own studio with uh, ben at, uh, at the outsiders doing our own our own thing That's grandit and your favorite game, Diablo Two. So, um, like, did you get into the original Diablo beforehand? Oh yeah. Like, what, what, what did you find? Uh, I loved the first Diablo. I remember reading about it and being like, "Oh, I really want this game to come out." I've been waiting for a game like this to come out forever because I think I played. I don't remember when it came out relative to like Baldur's Gate and stuff like that. I want to say it was before that. Um, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was. But there were a bunch of games like Baldur's Gate that had come out before, like Pool of Radiance and stuff that were really cool, and I, and I liked those. But um, there was something about Diablo and its procedurality that I was super, super into. Uh, uh, and I was like, oh, this game is awesome. So I played Diablo 1, and I loved the shit out of Diablo 1. I played I played it like into the ground. Um, and then 
I pretty much played all Blizzard games. Then I was just basically waiting for Diablo 2 to come out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and do you notes for um for Diablo uh, for this episode for Diablo 2? It's worth noting that um I should admit up front that my only experience with Diablo is Diablo 3 itself, so I can't really comment too much on Diablo 2. But like in do in uh, gathering notes, I discovered that Blizzard North never really had an inkling of a design document. Like they kind of winged it. Like that's insane. Like you can't really just jump on the development without a design document. Oh yeah, you can. I mean, it, I mean, like we're we're not using design documents as such. Um, uh, I mean, the thing is that um, there are a lot of different ways to make games, and um, the, the problem with documents is that no one reads them, and the other problem with documents is that someone has to update them, and the third problem is that usually when you're making things. Um, if you're writing documents, you're not talking to people, uh, and those are the those are the things. Like the most important thing when you're making a game is, and this is really hugely variable when it comes to like team size and stuff. Because at a certain point, you're going to be able to you, you you may have to communicate with people, and then documents are useful. Um, but when you're a really small team, and I think Blizzard North was quite small, um, outside of like having really small kind of mini documents. That that are like you know here's a mechanic or or here's a here's a, a pitch or a concept or here's the high level uh, idea for the game like um, they're really generally like you're looking at you're talking about spreadsheets you know like those are the things that you might need um, but other than that um, no you, you can definitely you can definitely uh, make games like that and and most of the games in fact nearly all of them that I've worked on um, tried to minimize. Uh, documents. Yeah. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? Something about Diablo two, probably. Uh, oh, did you? So, yeah. So, do you want me to? How shall I? How shall I talk about it? Do you want me to talk about the difference? Uh, how it's different from? From Diablo uh, one, yeah, sure, sure, sure. From Diablo one or Diablo three or uh... let's let's go with Diablo one. I'll I'll go on the Diablo three later on. Okay, so the deal is with, with Diablo one, you had like you had a number of classes, and um, you would find like magic books and stuff like that in the world, and you would be able to cast spells based on the magic books. And like I think you, if I remember right, you could like level the more magic books you found, they would basically be like. Uh, they themselves would give you like a skill level in that spell. So if you found like you know the uh, fireball level six, then you'd be casting level six fireball. <clears throat> and I think that you could find find other ones, and they can continue to level up that particular spell that you found. Um, but so there was this, there was some stuff that was carried over to Diablo two, um, like the the, and that was like the random generation of levels and the. Um, the random, um, uh, the, the like the ortho, the, uh, the whatever, what the hell is it called? The two and a half D kind of aspect, um, the isometric RPG stuff, uh, and um, just the whole idea that there's this like there's this kind of random procedural world that is different every time that you play. Um, so that stuff, that stuff went over uh, from D one to, to Diablo two. Um, the stuff that changed in Diablo 2, though, that was, as far as I know, that is the first time a skill tree turned up in the history of games, I think. 
At least it's the first one I saw. Um, so Diablo 2 wound up, like you would, I think that you had three classes, if I remember right, in, in Diablo 1. It was uh, like Mage, Fighter, and uh, what the hell was the other one? Something. I don't even remember. There were three, though, if I remember right. Yeah, I can't recall. But, so, <clears throat> Diablo 2 had, like, specific, very specific classes, and they each they each had, like, really specific um, skill trees. And the skill trees were the, this sort of collection. I mean, you know what a skill tree is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'd ne- you know, I'd never seen one before. So, it was, when Diablo 2 did it, it was like, there was this tree, and it had, like, 30 different skills, and you would increase your level, and um, you'd be like, oh, I want to... What is that? That's, like, I get ravens. That's cool. Oh, I can level that up, so I get more ravens. That's that's cool. I've never seen that before. So that, like, that... Uh, and when you would you would commit to the, to the different choices that you made, and for me, that was, like, a... That was a big deal, because... Um, I don't know, I, I never... It made, it made every time you played the game, you had to make these choices, and then you couldn't take them back. So you would, or at least I would be like, oh, I don't, uh, I would really agonize over all those decisions, and that was a big design thing for me. Like I, I took that with me that that um, the agony of choice is a good design principle. Um, I think uh, because they're if the choices are interesting and you're like flip flopping on what you should do, to me that's good. Um, that, that means that you've done something right. If the person always makes the same choice or goes like, oh, I don't want that, I want, you know, um, these are, these are the, this is obviously a shitty thing and this is obviously a good thing and that's not a good, that's not a good setup for a, a skill tree or... or Mm. Um, like I was going to say, like, what game do you think since Diablo 2 has done that really well, that kind of agony of choice thing that, uh, that you've been talking about? Uh... I mean, there are a lot of games, I guess, that that do it. I mean, um, you know, you see it in in um, like the the leveling trees in in any, everything from like um, Call of Duty when you're playing multiplayer to um, like uh, Sid Meier games um, in Civilization, uh, where you're you know you got your tech tree and you're going up and you're like, oh, do I wanna do I wanna get the um, whatever it is, you know the the base uh, base building skill faster? Do I want to do I want to up my humans? XCOM is a big one. But I think I mean most games. Um, I know like when I was playing World of Warcraft, for instance, I had the same same thing. Like if you play League of Legends or if you play any of those those games, you're always sitting there going like, oh, do I want to run the fucking lane or do I want to do this other thing or um, do I want to do I want to choose this um, this high end skill for my major you know in uh, hearthstone when you're making your deck it's the same like all the all games i think um if the choices are interesting uh, and they they aren't obviously better than one another um then you have then you potentially have something it's not that you can't have things that are obviously better but that um you should you know you, you want to strive to have um to put things in front of the player that they have to think about and, and like go, well, this, this is maybe I'll take one of these. So that's how I think their skill trees were set up like that. At any rate, like there were some things that were better, um, but they really like they, they, they patched the game a lot and they really worked on balance. So that was something I admired. Um, 
and there was a bunch of other stuff though uh, that they did. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, everything from like they they really improved their their level design. They had like these five acts, so you covered like five. Di- you went to these five radically different um, environments, and that felt super cool. Uh, and you get to see your character with like all of their new stuff, which had not been done as far as I remember ever. So that was super cool because you would find stuff and you'd go, oh, now I've got the sword that I found. And it looks like the sword and like I see it and stuff like on the in the UI. Um, you would see your character. So that was super cool, too. Um, I know it sounds weird because it's like it's taken for it, a lot of that shit is just taken for granted now. But back then, it, it just none of that existed. You mentioned the classes like from Diablo 1, like for Diablo 2, there was about five of them. Like, yeah, there were five. Um, plus an extra two in Lord of Destruction. Like there's Amazon, Necromancer, Barbarian, Sorceress, and Paladin. Yeah. And then Droid and Assassin in Lord of Destruction. Like, like what class? What class did you play as most in the game? I was. Uh, I was. I think I ran when I first started. I played Barbarian um, up to level ninety nine, and then uh, then I think I made like I made a. Um, I made a sorcerer and then I got them up to ninety nine, and then I think I think I get all the classes up to ninety nine. But I think my my main was the was the barbarian um, up until Lord of Destruction came out, and um, then Lord of Destruction. I think I, I was playing like a werewolf druid pretty much exclusively because it was super cool uh, and um, and had all this cool stuff. I really really liked that class. Uh, yeah, it was it was cool. <laughs> Like, like, what classes kind of stood out for you in terms of that made Diablo two so well loved, basically for you? Um, they were really good at at making the classes feel distinct. Like the um, the barbarian was like this, he uh, was like really really mobile, could do a ton of damage, um, could absorb a lot of damage, had. I'm trying to even remember like all the crazy abilities that he had. He had like a bunch of just a bunch of cool stuff um, that felt like it was consistent with the character, um, with, with the with the archetype, and it was true of all of the characters. And that I, I can't really think of a game that did it like that before, where where you were like, oh, I'm this class. I mean, it was really the beginning of class based. Mm. As far as I remember, it was the be- it was like the beginning of a class based system. Um, I mean, maybe, I don't know if Codename Eagle was before or after this, and uh, maybe there were other games, but for me, that was the one that, that it was suddenly, it was like, this, this is an archetype that you're going to play, and as an archetype, there's going to be all this shit that is, um, specific to that archetype, and it's going to be consistent, and it's going to feel cool and unique, and that was, that was like a, that was a totally new thing. No one had done that, as far as I remember. No one had certainly done that in an RPG before, <clears throat> or action RPG. Um, so it was really like um, different. You, you may have uh, touched upon this before, but you mentioned um, uh, in part hours like Diablo 2's procedural generation for dungeons, and yeah. like how yeah, like just talk of that and how that impacted the game. Well, like usually when you would. I mean, the the whole thing with that setup was normally um, I have a, a bunch of opinions about procedural games, but 
I think one of the big challenges when you make one is um, you need to bound the the uh, uh, the amount of procedurality you have. Otherwise, people just perceive it as randomness, and then the game start, then then doesn't feel good to a player. But Diablo, both of them, um, especially two, was super super good at making having like essentially you know random generation of the dungeon and um, random generation of monsters and items and unique monsters and um, unique gems and like you know all these runes and like and having those the chances of those things be like you know hugely variable uh, and modifiers on all the all the creatures and all this fucking crazy shit <clears throat> but it never felt like um, it was out of control like there was too much like if you played I don't know if you played um what's it called is it Pools of Exile? Paths of Exile? Path of Exile. I've, I've not, I know of Path of, Exi- of Exile. Or, not, but I've or not, like... I know, I've played Torchlight though. I've played Torchlight. Okay, so play Torchlight or like Grim Dawn. Hmm. Either of those. Like they, and I like Torchlight and, and Travis is amazing. But I think the, the scope of, um, of like mods and drops and stuff in both in Torchlight and in Grim Dawn, it's too wide. It's too hard to parse all the different modifiers and things. It's like if there's just too much stuff. <clears throat> and what happens is when there's too much stuff, you start to... It's all the same. It becomes the same. You don't feel the like the excitement of, um, oh, man, that's a new whatever. Uh, and Diablo 2 was amazing because it managed to somehow have like their random randomness be just the right amount of randomness alongside the crafted stuff like the unique items so that you could potentially like get something that was super awesome and rare and was totally procedural or you could get something that was like a unique item but still had some random stats <clears throat> and um, no one had ever done that before that well and I'm I'm still not sure anyone has um, since since then Diablo 3 definitely didn't in my opinion um uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it the, the bonus, of the, the good thing about proce- procedural games is basically, you know, things are different every time, and you su- you can surprise people, you can surprise a player with something they've never seen before, so that's a huge, powerful thing, mm-hmm. uh, and it was definitely when I played it. Um, the bad part is that if you're surprising people every time, then the surprise, there's no more surprise. It's all the same. You're just surprising people, and they're like, I don't know why this is different from anything else, because everything is new. Mm. So, so yeah. So it's a, it's a tough problem, but I think they did really well with it. Mm, like, surprise, we have a surprise for you, and that kind of meta surprise in itself just is kind of ruined every time it happens. Yeah, if you do, it's like if you do anything too much, it's gonna, it's going to wear, th- you know, it's gonna wear out its welcome. If I remember correctly, like, with online, and we'll touch upon multi- uh, online properly in a second, but like online maps were randomly generated as well. Like, whereas if you were offline, it was just kind of static. And if if you can kind of get what I said, if you can kind of get what I mean from that, um, I believe that they they were both randomly generated. The thing that would happen would be it would it would. Um, what did it do for single player? It did something a little bit different for single player. Your single player character couldn't be used, if I remember right, in multiplayer. So what I would do, and most people would do, would just be play on Battle.net. And Battle.net was like the other thing that that was revolutionary back then because what it meant was you could show whatever you found to your friends. 
So like if you had if you had crazy stuff that you'd found, um, you could go online and like play with your friends, and they'd be like, "How the fuck did you find that?" Um, and that was super cool because that had never really been done. And you knew that in theory, anyway, that Battle.net couldn't be hacked, so it was all legit. Whereas if you were playing, if you're playing single player, and uh, you know that that stuff, anybody could hack that that stuff. So um, yeah, that was another thing that was really interesting back then. What procedural generated games or that have had kind of um, procedural generation at the forefront of their games? Do you think that's worked really well? Like obviously, No Man's Sky is coming up. And that, that's going to be a big thing. But like the other big thing, or another game that kind of springs to mind for me that I, I actually really like in terms of how it adapts to procedural generation in games is Spelunky. Yeah, um, I think that's a that's a good example. Um, Spelunky is, is is quite good. Um, I mean, there's all the there's a lot of indie games that are doing it. I mean, obviously Minecraft. Um, is a, a big no longer an indie but like you know that's what Marcus did um, and um, is obviously speaks to people in in some way finding new things and you know every time you play the game that there's there's a new vein of rock somewhere um, the there are other games that I think that that do well what was that one that just came out Stardew Valley mm. and um, Terraria and I mean X, the new XCOM I think is procedural now uh, in large part um, and um, like I mean the you know the games that we a lot of the games that people are playing that they don't they don't, they don't even register at, as as such like Fallout is mainly authored but certainly some of their systems are procedural <clears throat> same with Skyrim um, and um, uh, what the hell was I just playing the other day? Not Dark Souls, though. <laughs> Definitely not Dark Souls. Uh, that game is authored all the way through. But yeah, there there are plenty of games that are that are um, that are good examples of like uh, procedural systems now, and there's a lot there's a lot of success associated with them. Um, but yeah, it's not. I don't think it's it's not a slam dunk to make that kind of game and assume it's going to succeed because there's a you got to do a bunch of stuff. You got to need that human touch on it. Yeah, I think if you're going to make that stuff, it has to be in the service of like uh, a design that it makes sense in, uh, with, and then there are things that you need to do to de- to treat um, the randomness um, so that people can can understand it in a way. Touch upon that just then very briefly, but um, yeah, online multiplayer via Battle.net. Um, like you said, it was a big f- uh, thing for its time, and it was like in the year 2000. Like, you, you can still play it alone, you can still play via LAM, but it was like the most top option for the game. Like, just go into detail on how you found that. I played, I would say I played mostly online. Uh, I, um, I mean, it was cool. Like, you would go on and like you'd meet up with people that wanted to trade, or or you would just like try to level your your guy, or go on like treasure treasure runs, um, and um, I mean up until World of Warcraft, I would say I probably spent more time doing that than um, than almost anything else, uh, and I played exclusively probably on online because you could get better stuff. That was another really interesting thing that they did. They they made it so like playing online and the more people that that you <clears throat> you played with um, 
they would scale like the rewards uh, and the treasure tables and stuff like that. I don't know if this is too stupidly technical, uh, but they would do a bunch of stuff to ensure that like if you were playing with a lot of people that you were going to get more XP and that you, you would probably get better roles when it came to like finding stuff. Um, and uh, I remembered that like when we, um, you know, going into doing other designs for other things, like in, in the future. Like there were just so many good design takeaways from, from Diablo, 2, Diablo 2. That's why it's probably, it's my favorite game, not just because it, it was uh, legitimate, legitimately awesome. It's my favorite game because I can't think of another game that had more design lessons kind of built into it that came all at once. Uh, maybe Doom, but not not for me though. I think Doom was, was, yeah, not in the same way. When you say those kind of design influences, like like Doom, like the other big one that kind of sticks out when I talk to most people about their kind of design influences is Super Mario as well. So it's it's yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk of Diablo as kind of design influence because like whenever I, like like I said whenever I talk to anyone about design it's like either Super Mario is the big influence or if it's not Super Mario then it's Doom so yeah I mean I don't I think for for me I, I never had a Nintendo um, so I didn't um, and I think I, when I played Mario I was like yeah that's cool but I'm not really that interested in it like I spent way more time looking at other kinds of games are outside of computer games. Like, I was super interested in baseball and why things worked the way that they did and why... I mean, for me, it, it was like a perfect game as a system. Um, and I always wanted to know why things were better than... why one player was better than another player and how I could think about that um, in, like, statistical terms. Uh, uh, and later, it would become really interesting when they got to, like, doing all the sabermetric stuff. But <clears throat> games... Uh, for me, like the the design lessons ca- came from like Diablo and Sid Meier and um, some of the stuff that Looking Glass did, um, and some of the stuff that I that I played like many many years ago, like arcade games that I love, like Tempest and Asteroids and shit like that. So um, I, I guess I had a pretty I have a pretty broad, weird um, spectrum of stuff that that had design lessons. I'm sure the other people would say the same, probably say the same thing. The recent patch, like, this is the first one in five years. Like, have you had a chance to play it with that new patch yet? I haven't, because I think I didn't see any um, substantial changes. I should actually look at it right now. Did it say what, what was in the patch? I think they were just preparing for, like, for new computers. I think that was it. Maybe. Yeah. But I think they're going to do, like, a HD version. Hmm. Well, I'm just double checking this myself. I only just knew that there was a patch. Yeah. Um, let me double check. Yeah, here it is. Blizzard just released a patch. Uh, it's a new install for OS X. So you have no excuse now. Hmm. I do not. <laughs> and like they like if the, if they're doing that to Diablo two, then they're going to do that with other games. Obviously, down the line, like Warcraft three. Warcraft. Yep. 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 Definitely Warcraft Three. Yep. I mean, those are those are all like amazing games. So, um, yeah, I personally think that they are going to re-release this game with like an HD remaster. <clears throat> I would not be surprised because they uh, there's so many people who would buy it. Um, would you buy it? Like, yeah, I would buy it. I would buy it in a heartbeat if it came out. 
because I, I like I said I like Diablo three. I think it's there are many things about Diablo three that are that are tremendous. Like they they have um, that new I can't remember what it's called. Basically, you can just explore the map. You don't need to go through the storyline. You can you know roam around, do whatever, like all that stuff. <clears throat> but the problem with Diablo three for me is that a lot of the things that they did to make the game better um, or more streamlined have erased the things that were kind of a pain or they were like the grit that made things great in Diablo 2. So when you take away the grit, you take away the character of the game and that, that kind of that's what happened I think with Diablo 3. It's not that it's not good, it's just that it's not it's not what it used to be. Um, it's a different game. It's, it's basically not Diablo 2. No. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so, like, I want to touch upon uh, Lords of Destruction then uh, as, a, as a specific point on like we obviously mentioned like there was the two new classes and a fact and yeah like yeah like how did you find Lords of, or Lord of Destruction? Um, I wonder. If, I think I played almost more of that than I played of um, um of well I don't know the same amount. I, that that was I think the they really released it as a as a quote expansion, but it was basically a new game. There was so much content, so I loved it. Um, I mean, I don't even know how many hours I sunk into that freaking game. Like, between D2 and the expansion, it was crazy. Uh, and they added all this cool stuff, which I think was like, um, they added the, uh, what's it called, uh, the conversion thing, which the Haradra Cube, and they, they added um, just a whole, I think they added the two new classes, they added uh, gems, and... Um, I'm trying to remember what totems and like all this just all this great shit that was the product of them looking at the game that they had and then going like how are we gonna how can we take what we have and like make it better and that that felt like exactly what they shipped um, and that was uh, yeah that was great it's a great expansion also worth playing. What do you think that makes like Blizzard games tick so well? Like, um, it's worth mentioning that as of recording this, like. The beta for Overwatch just Overwatch. came out, yep. and it's so fucking good. Like I can't yeah. even begin to tell you. Like I have I, not played it yet, which is really funny because like my friend was was like, "Dude, why are you not? Why are you not playing this game?" And I'm like, oh, "I just don't have time." But I really should because I would play. Should play all Blizzard games, of course. <clears throat> why are they so good? This is the secret question. Nobody knows. No, I think the reason that they're good, like, do you know anything about their their the way, like, their design ethos? I wouldn't say yes, but I, I've heard them kind of talk of it in the past, but I just can't remember much of it. From, from what I know, um, everybody has, like, valid design input, so they, they listen to everybody. Um, they always prioritize, like, what's the best thing for the game, so like they they don't they don't like uh, uh, discriminate about like where something's coming from or what how crazy the idea is. Um, the best idea always wins. They have infinite money, so they take their time. They will kill projects if they suck. They, they they've done it before. Um, I think um, they are incredibly good at just kind of polishing stuff to a place where it feels good it's a it's a hard thing to articulate but like they're um if you look at like hearthstone for instance just like the act of opening a pack 
Um, I haven't looked at Overwatch. I suspect there's a similar mechanic, but just like that, that whole thing, like you open, it feels really good. The sound is great. The visuals are great. The 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 latency on you clicking the thing is very fast. Like there's no there's no latency. Like there's just all this crap that they do that is under the surface that pe- most people don't even pay attention to. Um, that they do, and there there's a there seems to be like an absolute attention to craft, which is really unusual. And there are very few studios that have it. I think Naughty Dog has it. Um, Blizzard has it. And a few others. Valve um, has it, don't they? Valve has it, yeah. Um, but Valve is too busy making other stuff right now to have it. Um, I think the Dark Souls guys have it, uh, although not in the same way, maybe. Uh, and I think now they're spread too thin. There are a couple. There are definitely studios that have it. Um, and I think in Blizzard's case, a, a lot of it is just is a function of them being in a great financial position, so they can afford to take six years or seven years. Um, and you know who, how many studios can do that? Not that, not that many. Um, so yeah, but I, I do think that there is there is a culture that has arisen at, at Blizzard is that's part of their success, and that is that they um, or they are relentless about like making things better in in real ways. Um, and uh, if you look at their games, I mean they they don't ship bad games. No, like 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 um like you said, they're not afraid to can't shit if it feels like it isn't going to work. Like they more or less can't Titan, which was meant to be their next big MMO, in place yeah. of so and and out of that they took out elements of that MMO and kind of mushed them all together and then some to make a game that is now known as Overwatch. And yeah, like right. like that that that's kind of impressive because at least they they can find the eye. Of going into a burned project, so to speak, and f- pull out one or two key things that from that project that could go on to be the core of another big thing. That that, that that's yeah, it's impressive. pretty yeah, it's pretty cool. Like um, I had forgotten that that's actually how it how it came to be. Um, I don't know how Heroes is doing. Heroes of the Storm. I mean, I'm sure it's making money, but it's it's not setting the world on fire compared to like whatever League of Legends or um, Dota. Hmm. Uh, too, but um, uh, yeah. I mean, in in general, I think Blizzard is just just super fucking good, and they're they're con- going to continue to be good because they they have a history of knowing what good looks like for their studio. Um, so yeah, uh, they're just good. <laughs> and, and and like you mentioned, um, Hearthstone as well. Like and how you open up a pack just feels so joyful. Like I, I like. Playing Overwatch, like um, you get these kind of loot packs um, once you've leveled up to a certain level in the beta, and uh, I had several packs of them going on the go. And like when you um, open them up, it's not instantaneous like with Hearthstone. Like you have to pull down the square button, like and after mm-hmm. like, two or three seconds, like they'll open up. But like even now, it just feels like a kind of bit of a joy. Like, yeah. Like admittedly, when you're when you're opening stuff, it's not like something essential, like a brand new deck of cards, like in Hearthstone. But like, it's still really fulfilling. Like it's yeah. it's it's all, it's all emblems and voice uh, bits and all that there. But like, it's still a really fulfilling feeling. Anyways, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what they're. Uh, have you played Team Fortress Two? Is it better than TF 2s <clears throat> uh, box opening? Uh oh, God, like. I don't. I've not replayed really TF2 uh, at all on PC, but I played quite a bit of it 
Oh, on console on the Xbox 360 when the orange box was a thing. Um, oh, okay. But I will say this, like, playing Overwatch, like, it has me so optimistic. Like, when I went into Overwatch, um, or, well, before playing Overwatch, I was kind of interested at it, and I was, when they announced the console version, all right, like, right, this is it, like, I can perhaps get myself on it now, because, like, my PC is kind of on the brink of dying, and I'm kind of surprised mm. that it's still standing now to do this. But... When I started playing Overwatch, I was like, holy shit, this actually could be a worthy successor to Team Fortress 2. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, I guess. Like, like I, I fucking adore TF2, like, at least when I played it on console, but, like, this could really be a, the best squad-based FPS since TF2. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, are you playing, um, oh, what's the one that, um... Gearboxes, uh... Um, Battleborn. Yeah. I've not I've not played that at all. Like, I played a bit of that beta, and it didn't really yeah. interest me at all. Like, I think it's just yeah. trying to be too many things at once. Yeah, that was my opinion, too. It just wasn't wasn't there. And it was the art direction drove me back insane, so I just I couldn't look at it. It was giving me, like, epilepsy. <clears throat> um, but, yeah. Like, uh, I, go ahead. Like, I was going to say, there was this tweet the other day from Randy Pitchford, and like he was trying to describe how Battleborn was all these things. I'm trying to find it now, but it's just like 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 we both agree, obviously. Like it's just trying to be too many things at once. Like mm-hmm. when when the unveiled trailer came out, um, like I was definitely interested in it, and it, and it didn't help, and it helped that it had M83 as the kind of trailer song for it. Mm-hmm. But when I saw more and more of it, and then um. When I played of it, it just felt like, really, like is this is this really how it's going to be? Like here, I found, yeah. I, found, I found a tweet from Pittsburgh. Like, it says, "Battleborn is FPS, hobby grade, co-op campaign, general blended, multi-mode competitive esports, meta growth, choice plus epic Battleborn heroes." Like, that kind of sums it up. Like, it is just trying to be too much. Yeah, that's just fucking nuts. That's too many things. Like with with Overwatch, like it's. Like, you know what it is up front. It's just, like, heroes versus villains. Just shoot the crap out of one another. That's it. Whereas with Battleborn, yeah. like like we said, it's just trying to be too much. Yeah, I think, I think Blizzard is um, among the best at distilling uh, an idea into a thing and then making it and not... Be, there's no confusion about what it is. Um, I, not, none of their games, in fact, have ever suffered from, like, oh, I don't know what this is. You never look at StarCraft and go, well, it's trying to be... The uh, Amoba, whatever. It's not. It's Starcraft, and you know Diablo two is never or Diablo three. It's you know what it is, and there is no um, none of that confusion. So I think that's that's the mark of a really mature company conceptually. And I don't think um, I don't think that um, Gearbox is in the same place, even though they're a very good company. I just don't think they're they're as strong with Starcraft and. Um, other Blizzard games, if, like if it if it goes in the other bits, like like esports and all that, there it does so organically. Like whereas, yeah. whereas with whereas with Battleborn, and I know it seems like we're just kind of piling on on with it, but like with Battleborn, it just feels like they're trying to force it, and a lot of games are trying to force stuff that really doesn't fit into it. Like whereas with Blizzard games, like it just kind of evolves into it organically. Yeah, moving back to Diablo two itself, then like. What else did you like about Diablo 2 that was not touched upon tonight? What else did I like about Diablo 2? Um, 
I think I liked. Well, they had they had these things um, that were uh, runes, so they were the rare, pretty much the rarest thing in the game, and um, they were really almost insanely hard to find. Like in, in one case, I think one was like one in six hundred fifty thousand the chance of finding this one particular rune. <coughs> and what you would do is um, you could assemble the runes into rune words. Depend, there are a whole bunch of different rune words, <clears throat> and they would endow your like weapon with. You, you'd slot them into your weapon, and they, they would give your weapon like some crazy set of bonuses. So that that just like doing having that as a thing that could happen, like that you could like spend a lot of time just looking for runes. Um, that was like a, a pastime for me. So I would just be like you know trying to figure out what I could do to maximize my like rune finding ability. Man, I had a lot of time on my hands back then, <clears throat> and. Uh, and and so that was super cool because nobody had done that before either. <clears throat> um, you know, the the it was basically like if you think about it, it was a a very very low fidelity version of crafting, and um, and it actually started with I mean like the crafting actually started with the Haradrim cube where you were like converting one thing into another thing. Um, I wonder if that was the first time that happened. Jesus, it might have been. So, like, anyway, you can see, like, Diablo 2 has all these fucking crazy things that they were kind of the first to do. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and yeah, no, I hadn't even thought of that. But that was super cool, too. Wow. The more, more you talk about Diablo 2, it seems like it's a game of firsts. It, it, it definitely was. Even though it was the second, it was a game of firsts. <laughs> um, what didn't you like about Diablo 2? I want to go with nothing. Uh, I think, what, what was it? There were probably things I didn't like. Um, you got a lot of people duping, like, um, in uh, when people figured out how to how to <clears throat> how to like hack stuff. There, you had people that were like there was a unit of currency that people were using to trade that was the Stone of Justice, and it was this ring that would give you like plus one to your level, and I can't remember what the fuck else it would do, but it was basically like it was literally like a unit of currency, like that was the thing that um, it was like a dollar or whatever. It was like a $100 bill. And so people would use that, and they'd be like, I'll give you 10 stones of justice for whatever, because they could just... Um, I don't remember why it was that. I, I guess because in PvP, it was the most valuable thing you could kind of have, because it would add levels and boost all your stuff um, in ways that very little else could. And it was a ring, so you could have two of them. Uh, but anyway, so like that, it got pretty annoying. You just have people that are stockpiling that stuff, and then they would just trade them, and then they would have everything, and it would be stupid, and they would ruin the game. So that that annoyed me. Um, but for the most part, I mean, that people, Blade Blizzard was pretty good at like controlling the hacking scene um, up until at least the beginning was okay, and then it got kind of crazy. I don't remember what happened after that. Um, but other than that, that I don't remember. Not liking very much. Yeah, not not, not so much. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what, what would you change, if anything, from a design perspective from Diablo 2? I'm guessing not much, if anything. Uh, wow, I'd have to think about that. What what did I want to... There are probably things that I wanted to change. Um, but in truth, I think it is one of the few games that... that um, 
I mean, you always want like more environments and stuff, but that's not a change thing. That's just a want thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a flaw. Um, uh, I think it would have been interesting to do what they did with Diablo 3, which is, you know, you don't have to run the story. Um, and he, they allowed you to kind of travel. After you beat the game, they allowed you to travel from uh, act to act and play, like, all the stuff, so you could just jump around and you didn't, you didn't have to be bound by the story. Um, but they, I guess they, they could have... No, no, they... I mean... I don't know what I what I would have changed. Like thinking back on it, they're um, they're low level things. I don't think there was anything big that I that I would have changed offhand. Um, I'm trying to remember. I know there was something that annoyed me, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, oh, what it has been? Yeah, I don't. I don't actually even. I don't even know at this point. There was a lot of clicking. I think that was the one complaint that people had. It was like, Jesus, do you just wear out mice? Because, you know, you're constantly clicking or you're holding down uh, holding down the left mouse button to do whatever. Um, but in truth, like, that was that's part of why it worked. It was it was basically, like, click and win. Click to get rewards. That, that was, that's like, I think it was a, even a design principle um, that Dave Brevik was talking about, saying, like, yeah, basically when we made this game, we just wanted you to, you know be able to kill something and like hear gold fall down and pick it up. Like that was, that's one of the best moments in the universe is just like in, in games anyway, um, is that like I killed something and then the gold falls out. Uh, and the Diablo two and one were just great at that. So yeah, I don't really have that much that I, that I would change about that game. I think it's really, a um, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say perfect, but it's it's definitely up there for me. On on Diablo Three itself, then, and and uh, to an extent as well, Reaper of Souls. Like you touched upon, um, like elements of it that you that you touched upon how Diablo Three couldn't really, you know, get on Diablo Two or couldn't really compare to Diablo Two because of, you know, it felt like it had kind of lost its soul with um, yeah. after playing Diablo Two, but like. Other than that, like, how did, how did you find Diablo 3 and Reaper Souls? I mean, I, I, I finished it. I, I leveled my characters to whatever it was, 70 or 80. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I, I appreciated the production, production values. Um, you know, they're still best in class. I, I think the issue, the two biggest issues I had... Um, one is that I, I feel like they, they lost the thread when it came to the balance of like procedural content, like I was saying before. Um, and the other is I hate scaling damage. Like I, I hate seeing numbers that are like I just did three hundred million damage to a demon. Like when I and they would never do that in, in, in D two. Like it would never the numbers would never get that big. And it's it started to happen in World of Warcraft too, like when you would when you started to get these expansions, you'd be like, did I just do 30,000 damage to a whatever? And it just starts to feel like, is this just one big, I'm just pushing numbers up? Like, it's just a stupid numbers game? At that point, that's where I start to, to back away from my enjoyment of the game, because I'm no longer, I don't believe it anymore. Like, um, when the numbers are that big, when I'm doing 300 million damage, that just feels fucking stupid to me. Uh, so 
I think that that was a huge disconnect, um, and uh, and one I really don't believe in. I, th- I think there are better ways to to treat those problems, but there obviously people enjoy it. I just don't. As well as um, Diablo Three itself, like there's obviously been the success, uh, spiritual successors, like like we mentioned earlier, Torchlight and Path of Exile. Um, like yep, like yeah, go on to those a little bit. Like how you how you find those? Um, I really liked both Torchlight and Torchlight Two. Um, I think that they are they were probably the best uh Torchlight Two in particular was very close to to um for me I really enjoyed that. It wasn't as polished. It wasn't um I, you know, they they still didn't get all the things right that, that D two uh, got right, but it was a lot of fun. The, the a lot of the stuff was, was very good. Um the sense of the world wasn't as strong anywhere near as strong, like the, the like the, the layout of place um, was Diablo excelled at, and um, the skill tree, definitely not as strong, and the different classes not as strong, but they're still good. Um, I played Grim Dawn, Grim Dawn is very good, but suffers from, in some ways, a lot of the same things that Torchlight suffered from. Um, they have, though, like a crazy crazy skill tree thing where you've got like two overlapping um, systems like a meta one is a meta system and the other is like your specific one uh, I don't know Grim Dawn is good though definitely good uh, in worth checking out if you like action RPGs uh, I didn't like Path of Exile as much I just felt like their skill tree can't, can't even call it that map was so enormous, you you had too many choices, so they kind of lose value. Um, I'm sure there are people that, that that isn't the case for, but for me, if I'm looking at 500 choices, then I'm just like fuck this shit. So there's, I think there's like a there's a sweet spot for design for me when it comes to like actual numerical values um, of like how many things can I keep in my head at one time, and 500 is too many. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so those two are good, uh, what else? I was actually going to check out, what's it called? Just came out, Alienation, I think it's called? Yeah, 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 from... Uh, Housemark, I heard yeah. it's really good. Um, and that seems like it's, it's in the vein of this, but it's science fiction, which looks super cool, so I'm going to check that shit out, looks good. Hmm. Um... So yeah, if I had to ask you, um, like top three Diablo games, including the expansions, how would you rank them? Obviously, two at the top, but like, how else would you rank that top three? Oh. Um, yeah, it would be two, then LOD, then Diablo one, then Diablo three would be at the bottom. Oh. And uh, I like Reaper Souls actually, but yeah, I mean they're they're all good games, so it's not like anybody's losing out. I, that's just the order I would put them in.
honorable mentions. Go for it. Uh, Planescape Torment. That was uh, also old, but great game. Um, amazing writing. Chris Avalon, guy who did Pillars of Eternity and Fallout 2 and Nicely Old Republic. Um, uh, all those guys at Black Isle. If you've never played that RPG, uh, take some time and play it. It's really worth it. Worth noting, by the way, before they push out this episode, uh, Chris Avalon been on a few weeks ago. Check that out. Oh, was he? Awesome. Yeah. Um, Chris, I have a funny story about Chris. I wrote Chris um, like 14, 15 years ago after playing Planescape Torment, and he wrote back. This is when I was like not even, I don't know what I was doing. It must have been like, it's like 18 years ago. Uh, and and I, I, he thanked me like because I was like thank you for this game I love it it was it's awesome you're you're the greatest I love you Chris and he and he wrote back and he was like thanks man you know things like this keep keep us keep us going and I remember being struck by like what a great response it was and what a what I didn't expect him to write back at all um, and he's just that kind of person like he just he we stayed in touch like for 18 years I only met him I think in person like two years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, Chris is fucking awesome. So everybody love Chris. Chris, great. Um, what was I saying? Uh, so yeah, Planescape, big one. Um, Uncharted two, definitely up there. Uh, tremendous game, really good, good stuff in every direction. Uh, I adore Jesus. What else? Um, weird baseball game called Out of the Park Baseball, if you like baseball, it's pretty much the greatest simulation of all time. Uh, other things, other, what other things? I mean, I, I love Skyrim. Um, I don't know if it's top ten, but it's up there. Dark Souls for me is a, is a huge one. Obviously, everybody fucking Dark Souls, but it was really special when I played it first time. Um, I felt like a kid again, which is my, like, that's my meter for, uh, if a game can make me feel like a kid again, that's a big deal. So, like, if if games trip that wire for for people, I think they should pay attention because it's it means something. Um, what the hell else? I don't know. Those are all. I mean, those are all up in my like in my top top list, and I'm sure that there are others. Um, but uh, right now, those are the ones that mm. like, that like, come to mind. Like you mentioned, Skyrim, like. What about all the Bethesda RPGs? Like, how do you find those? Like, what about Fallout 4? Um, well, I love Bethesda RPGs, so... and I've been, I mean, I bought a computer when I was in college to play whatever it was, Daggerfall. Um, like, on student loans, which wasn't the best idea. So that's telling you something. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I love those games. Um, and, and I love Oblivion, and I, I love Skyrim, and even though I have issues with it. So, I, I, I don't know. There's just the, the things with, um, with Fallout and really with Fallout 4 specifically, it, it felt less like uh, the Bethesda games in some ways than I'm accustomed to just because they made the combat better than it usually has been. Um, but I still enjoyed it. I think the, the funny thing about all their games is that like you have that the agony of like making a decision about something because there's so many options. It's like being a, in a grocery store. So, and that's been the, that's been the way with all their games, like pretty much since, well, since forever. Hmm. That's, that's their thing. They're like, here's a whole world. Good luck. 
and and then you just have to kind of like focus or freak out because there's so many things you could possibly do. Like you mentioned Uncharted 2 and like that was around the period like not at all truly started becoming a whole juggernaut of itself like it was around that time. So like since since Uncharted 2 like how have you found like their games since like with Uncharted 3, The Last of Us, Uncharted 4 so coming out in a few days time as of recording this, I was. Uh, I'm looking forward to 4. I didn't like 3 very much. Um... I feel like they they lost the soul of the game. It wasn't as wasn't as funny. Um, it, it wasn't as whatever adventurous. I think I fell asleep playing three. Um, I don't know. It's just whatever the thing was. The magic wasn't there for me in three, even though it was technically you know superb and as usual. Um, but I I mean to be fair, like I'm really weird with those games with um, Naughty Dog games in general, like, I feel like I have a very narrow thrust, a very narrow band that I appreciate, uh, because on the one hand, their craftsmanship is unbelievable and that they're the best in the industry. And on the other hand, like, I don't necessarily want to play that. So, um, and that's just my preference. So, like, well, for whatever reason, Uncharted 2 didn't bother me that way, and I was just able to have a great time. But, um, like, I tried to play Last of Us, and I just was like, I don't want to play this. It's not interesting to me. I don't like the, the stories, like, a B-movie. Like, all the things that everybody would be like, oh, my God, what? But it's the greatest story of all time. Like, I don't feel that way. Um, I, I just, I, and I, I feel like I'm, that's how people want me to experience it, but I, that's not how I experience it. So, um I'm I'm really on the fence about Uncharted Four. I hope to God I like it. I'm just afraid that it's it's a whole bunch of people getting amped up over shit that I'm not going to be that thrilled with. But I'm 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 hoping for the best. I'm going to buy the game anyway um, because I really do enjoy adventure, you know, that kind of thing. One more, one more game that you mentioned that I want to respond uh, as well, uh, and this is actually honestly the game I thought you would pick as your favorite game because you go on about it so much on Twitter. Um, Dark, Dark Souls. Souls, yeah. Um, I didn't pick Dark Souls as my favorite only because I I think I can't I can't pick a game. Yeah, I I don't think it is not because I I don't love it because I do, but I don't feel like I'm qualified to call it my best game if that makes my my favorite game if that makes any sense. Like I would have need to done do much more. Um, like I I I know Diablo two backwards and forwards. I probably can can tell you how the systems every single system almost works just because I've been through all their files um, when I made the mod like I made the mod based on my knowledge of what they did um, so in some sense I, I feel like I did that because I had so much admiration for the game so for me it's, I haven't gone to that length with Dark Souls I, I yet I may um, but not yet and I haven't played Souls as much as I've played D2 so that's why mm. um, uh, anyway the, the, but Souls is the reason I love Dark Souls so much is completely different from the reason that, that I love Diablo 2 although there are things that are similar like I loved hardcore mode and um, and Dark Souls you could argue is just one big hardcore mode um, uh, but the thing that that, um, that I think I liked them, there are many things I, I love about Dark Souls uh, one of them is that they, they do storytelling unlike anybody else and it's great 
and it's not in it's the total opposite of like the nonsense that's in Skyrim where you have to wait for Uther to finish his twenty second ramble about how he used to live in the valley of whatever and you're like, I'm gonna kill myself. Uh and Souls is just like there's some weird dude laughing at you in the corner and you're like, What is what's that I don't know what that is. But then you, you find all the stuff in the world that you have interactions with that are um like one-offs or like you would never even know about them but collectively they form this story um that you experience that not that is told to you but that you like do you do the story you pick up the objects you read the thing and you're like that's what that is and bloodborne is the same um so i really admire that and and i admire how um how good it is at making you feel like you're you occupy like a place that is completely unlike any other place um i've ever played in i think and uh and that's really hard to achieve i think in games like just the idea that you feel like i'm here in this other world is super super hard to do and uh, and they do it and then they also have the best combat system i still think of any the best third person combat system um, in terms of precision and everything else, I really think it's super refined. So yeah, I just think they're they're terrific. So top three games um, on your list, like how would you rank them? Obviously, Diablo two at the top. Uh, I would say Planescape in second after that. But how would you rank it third place? I might, I might, yeah, I might put I might put Souls in third. Um, it's uh, it's probably uh, it's probably Souls, yeah. Um, and maybe the baseball a tie with Souls and like the baseball game. Uh, and I mean, there are other RPGs that I adore, but uh, the, the, I would say those are the those are the big ones. Okay. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's weird because you look back at like what do you spend? What did I spend the most time playing? World of Warcraft was definitely up there for a while. Uh, I played a lot of that, uh, but um, yeah, I usually look at the games that I come back to later, like Civilization and stuff like that. Um, well, I mean, you know, we're making a secret game over at the Outsiders. That's good, and uh, at some point, maybe we'll we'll talk about it more. But now is not the time. Um, I don't know what I have to hawk. Um, if anybody ever wants to talk to me, I'm at Locust Nine and uh, on Twitter. Um, I'm usually pretty nice. Not always, though. Uh, so be, I guess, be aware. But uh, yeah, that's that's. I don't have too much to hawk. I'm I'm just happy to to talk. And uh, thanks for the thanks for giving me the opportunity. You're very much welcome.
Thanks for listening to my favourite game. We're taking a two-week break off now thanks to E3 next week. But when we come back, it'll be with Kelly Santiago on Fahrenheit. Until then, enjoy E3. Bye-bye.